0: From the Carlson Center in Fairbanks, Alaska, this is the live broadcast of the 2019 Alaska Federation of Natives Convention. The broadcast made possible by major sponsors including Arctic Slope Regional Corporation, Rasmussen Foundation, ConocoPhillips, the Siri Foundation, and ExxonMobil Alaska. Today's broadcast is heard on radio stations across Alaska and the nation. Also streaming on the internet at nv1.org. live from the Carlson Center in Fairbanks, Alaska for the 53rd Annual Convention of the Alaska Federation of Natives. Good government, Alaska-driven. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Bob Peterson. Joining me at the table is Trip Kraus from KNBA and Emily Schwing on loan, uh, (laughs) helping us out here. We're going to be uh, recapping the morning session, the first session of AFN. Uh, A lot of drama this morning, folks.
1: A lot of drama straight out of the gate, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Bob, for the introduction. <laughs> I don't think any of us were too too surprised. We we sort of all knew it was coming, but um, it was like immediately upon uh, you know opening ceremonies, we we started to sort of feel the rumbles of like oh oh, and then triple at you. Uh, sort of explain what happened.
2: Yeah, so uh, I think that there's a attention in the air before we all got in here. A lot of us were curious about the relationship between AFN and the Dunlavy administration with, um, you know, the vetoes that happened. There were a, a large conversation that was happening pre-AFN about the effects that it would have on rural Alaska. And so coming in here we were just wondering what was going to happen. We we had speculation, obviously. With, uh, the, topic, with the
0: topic being good government, Alaskan-driven, it already lends to a lot of curiosity on what it will be happening at this convention and our role within uh, the state of Alaska. Well, You
1: have to sort of think that that, you know, that theme for this year's AFN is a little bit of a tease uh, when you invite a conservative governor like Mike Dunleavy to the stage. Um, And when he took the stage. Uh, you could kind of tell that something was gonna happen. Only because I'm a reporter, so so uh, like, it was like all the reporters started to circle. <laughs> you know, like we knew, we just knew, and then sure enough, um, you know, like we heard a drum beat. We started to hear those boos, and then um, and then people started standing up.
0: Well, as soon as uh, as soon as Governor Dunleavy was introduced, uh, the silence was was deafening uh, as opposed to what it what was transpiring throughout the rest of the morning Uh, he was greeted with a lot of silence and then uh, he went right into prepared notes not looking up and just uh, saying what he had prepared Uh, and then that's when things got interesting so
1: should we play a little tape from the the floor sound like what was going on uh, when the governor started speaking
0: In the last 10 months,
3: DPS is I'm sorry, I, I can't agree with this.
1: So what you hear there is um, Will Mayo, who's a member of AFN's board and leadership, um, calling on protesters in the audience to um, stop singing their songs, um, beating a drum, and they were standing with their backs to the governor with um, one fist in the air. Um, And then uh, Will Mayo explained himself, so we we can maybe play that tape as well.
0: And before we get to that, so one of the, uh, leading causes for this protest which was supposed to be in silence mostly was my understanding was uh, and he was standing for the four hundred forty four million dollars that was cut and so the the silence was going to be for four minutes mm-hmm. with their back turned to him.
1: So we'll listen to um, when Governor Dunleavy was interrupted um, and and hear from Will Mayo.
3: Justice should be swift families should not have to wait decades for answers. In the last 10 months, DPS has focused on increasing the number. Can I interrupt? I'm sure, sure. I'm really out. I'm sorry, I, I can't agree with this. We have different views. We have different views. We may approach things differently, but we have a man here who is. Uh, in a seat of authority, and there are ways that we can express our differences. When we gather together and we invite somebody into our house, we do it out of respect, and we do it with kindness in the native way. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask, I respect your right to protest in this way, but I want to ask you uh, with, re, with respect to please express your views at the voting booth, express your beliefs in a constructive way, and don't come into our house and disrespect our guest. We
0: And so that was co-chair uh, Will Mayo uh, speaking up, bringing a little order back to the convention. Uh, from the uh, protest that had started Uh, Sam Johns was the person who was coming in and banging the drum and Emily I I I actually want to interrupt a little bit
2: so there was a little bit of speculation too on the floor and before on whether or not AFN had invited Dunleavy or whether Dunleavy had actually asked AFN to speak and so we actually got confirmation from Nicole Borromeo from AFN saying it's policy for AFN to invite the seated, seated governor to come and speak and so she says he graciously accepted to come on so he was invited by
0: AFN according to Nicole and which was uh, to Will Mayo's point and mm-hmm. then uh, Emily you had a chance to speak with Sam John yeah so I, I, I
1: caught up with Samuel John um, he's from Copper Center Alaska his mother's from Arctic Village so um, he's he, you know he's in his traditional territory here in Fairbanks he's from the interior um, and I did talk to him about um, how he felt Um, why he did this why he chose to bring his drum out onto the floor and sort of you know rally the audience and then um, to sing um, his song and then also um, I talked to him a little bit about um, what he thought about AFN leadership's response so we can go to that tape um, of Samuel John reacting.
4: Um, I feel like right now there's a lot of um, there's a lot of issues that are coming with uh, the governor's budget cuts
1: uh, such as what? What kind of issues?
4: Um, well, putting a lot of homeless people at risk. Um, well, I first it started with the elders. The elders are—I um, don't think a lot of people are talking about how much their rent has gone up. Um, a lot of elders are are actually becoming homeless right now, and that's real. That it's a real fact right now, and uh, I feel like us inviting them here and and having a board, an AFN board member, tell us that. I don't know a better way to do this is to vote is complete BS because people did vote for him and he lied. You know they did vote.
1: How would you respond to AFN leadership like you know Will Mayo stood up and said, you know, we've invited the governor into our house, please be respectful.
4: Uh, Will Mayo, the house's infrastructure and land is going to collapse soon if we don't stop if we don't stop ignoring climate change. If we don't stop ignoring the the real things that are that are happening. Yeah, we may be having fun inside the house, but there are real changes that are happening outside of our house that we really need to take take be aware of. You know, I'm like, yo, the inf- the, the foundation of the house is gonna collapse soon. So I mean, yeah. But nice house.
1: Is it the Alaska native way to be respectful and allow Governor Dunleavy to speak? I mean
4: Okay. Um they, they say it in the agenda, the AFN agenda. We adapt, right? That was the way. They used to say when we couldn't write, they'd say, touch this pen for this treaty. That's um, right, right there, what happened in there is a modern day, touch this pen. But I feel like we're adapting. Just like they said in the AFN agenda, we are adapting and we are speaking out and we are being vocal and that's what we have a right to do. And uh, more than ever, you know, our elders didn't have a right to do this. They were they were very afraid to do what we're doing. And now that we have the ability to do it, we're going to do it.
0: And so that was Sam John, who was uh, expressing his viewpoint and the necessity of having uh, an opposition voice at the moment while Governor Dunleavy was here. There was kind of an over-under on whether or not Dunleavy would show up in person yeah. uh, or whether he would do uh, as his typical go-to the last several months is just uh, via the internet and a uh, message uh, we do
1: know that he took off very shortly after his speech with his prepared <laughs> words <Yeah>. and <laughs> jumped on a plane back to Anchorage and he was out of here so.
0: uh, he's after uh, uh, co-chair Will Mayo uh, reset order to the convention uh, Governor Dunleavy just presented right back to his notes uh, uh, the pr- his, his words uh, picked up right where he left off, mm-hmm. not mentioning or having much interaction with the audience at all uh, outside of his prepared words.
2: And, and I will say, I mean, it would have been a far worse move for him not to show up. That would have been a very loud statement to AFN. And so for him to come in, I think that was a really good move for him. Um, I think the voting population of Alaska Natives is a very strong contingent. And I think he knows that. Um, and obviously he's got some policies and things that he wants to work through and he's going to need support from rural Alaska and Alaska Natives.
0: And when it comes to the role of government, uh, they're trying to enact and help form society and how society behaves with one another. Uh, And what that, uh, folks may not always agree with the agenda of what's the government is doing. Uh, Trip, you had a chance to walk around and yeah. tell us uh, what you came across. Well,
2: as I was out and I was rec- recording audio and shooting photos, I stumbled on um, a, a couple of women who were standing up silently protesting. They had one of them had an MMIW with the handprint uh, handkerchief that they were holding up, and also the the hand in the air, um, very quietly. So you really had a, a an interesting. Um, mix of the the drumming and the chanting that happened, and then these people um, who were silently protesting. So I talked to Ruth Miller, who uh, was standing up silently, and she was talking about how she saw it as being a peaceful protest, and we've got that tape now that we can listen to. Uh, we
5: stood in peaceful protest today to uh, support the recall of uh, Dunleavy from his governorship, and to hold him accountable to the violations of Alaska Native rights that he has made every minute since he's been in office. He can stand on stage and talk about his Alaska Native family and that's fine and dandy, but that does not change the policies that he's promulgated across our state that have disrupted hundreds of thousands of lives, that have harmed our communities, that have harmed our people. We do not mm-hmm. forget that.
0: And So it's really uh, heartening Uh, to see that uh, all voices are being accepted and uh, each voice is being heard here. That's something in which uh, we really have a strong belief in is that Uh, communication is key. And we thank you for uh, tuning in and listening to uh, the live coverage of the 2019 Alaska Federation of Natives Convention, Good Government, Alaskan Driven. I am Bob Peterson and joining me is Trip Krauss and Emily Schwing. Uh, Trip, as you were uh, going around, the next thing you uh, came across was the sacred space. What was
2: yeah. So and, and again, I talked to Ruth Miller and she was uh, talking about how we were sort of talking about whether or not the uh, the silent protest was the right way to do it or the drumming and chanting was the important part. And as we're talking about um, sort of setting the stage and everything, I, I'm seeing the, the white cusp from Amber Webb up on the stage. And so, you know, that's a nice reminder of like a big uh, policy and issue that's sort of resonating throughout AFN but one of her points was that the the drumming and chanting is sacred for them, and so it creates this space. And for Miller, she says the the singing and dancing actually enriches the the conversation, so we have that tape now.
5: Our drumming and our chanting is our prayer, and we are making this a sacred space by standing up for our rights as Alaska Native peoples. And so our drumming and our, our chanting is not an interruption, it's enriching. The sanctity of this space and it is sharing that we are standing unity as Alaska Native peoples, that we are not here for political reasons. We're here because our families, our friends, and our relatives have been harmed by this man's policies. That doesn't make this partisan or political. That makes it personal.
0: That makes it personal. What a statement right there Uh, and something in which uh, is at a core of what the Alaska Federation of Natives is. Uh, to be able to be standing in our communities, to be seen. Uh and just, just a very powerful statement from a very powerful and dramatic-filled morning.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's personal, too, with, with, you know, the budget cuts that we are looking at under the Dunleavy administration. Those are also, they get very personal when you really drill down to a single Alaska Native village or, you know, the impact within a small community of, you know, Three or four hundred people. Those impacts are personal, and they are felt pretty deeply. Um, as well, you know, when we heard from Samuel Johns, he's talking about the elders and and you know negative impacts on elders is something that's that's taken very seriously. I do want to say as, as well that you know even though Governor Dunleavy left, um, there's a table for the recall Dunleavy effort here, and will be here all week. And so this mood and this sort of like tension. Politically, is still going to remain here at AFN throughout the week?
0: I think there's always a healthy, um, uh, it's not quite adversarial, but uh, a very healthy interaction of uh, the citizenry uh, and the diverse citizenry uh, who have different policies that uh, are seeking safety for all. Uh, and we're just trying to make sure that The native voice is being heard and being shared and proclaimed out.
1: Well, we're also hearing from that, like there's a generational gap as well. You know, while, you know, older generations may either fearful of standing up or it ne- wasn't necessarily something that was accepted. Now we're seeing these younger generations and Alaska Native youth really stand up and speak out against issues like climate change and, and all these other issues that are plaguing them, you know, substance abuse, sexual misconduct, all kinds Domestic of things. Domestic violence. Domestic violence. And so we are seeing these generations, the, the like, sort of you know, we're seeing a generational tension as well, where older Alaskan Native people are saying, be respectful, and younger generations are saying, no, we're, we're here to speak for our elders because they could not.
2: And, and I think, you know, discourse is a really good word, right? Because you don't necessarily have to agree with one side or the other to have a discourse and a dialogue. And really, that's what AFN is. So, you know, we're getting more information from um, political leaders and things like that about the policy and stuff that they're trying to enact, but after that's done, you hear a lot of dialogue from the people in the, in the seats, the delegates, you hear a lot, of, a lot of people talking on the outside, and it creates this nice, big conversation, and, and we may not all agree on everything and we may not get along, but at least AFN gives us this venue in which we can have that dialogue
0: and in which work gets done. Uh, And one of the things that uh, was honored this morning, uh, for even though there was this drama that uh, took place, it did not overshadow the rest of the convention. It's something that did not overshadow the rest of the morning, in fact. Uh, The next segment that we'll be going to is uh, the award given to uh, Senator Lyman Hoffman uh, from Bethel. Uh, It was... Being a Bethel boy, it was really nice to be able to see and have a lot of Bethel representation up on the stage. Uh, and so, Tripp, you had a chance to uh, cover a little bit no, of that.
2: Not me personally. Um, our associate producer, Christy oh, schell was actually got to talk to, to Lyman Hoffman a little bit. And, um, you know, to, to go along about that dialogue, he talks about what it takes to be a good citizen. Um, and we can play that tape.
0: My definition of a good citizen is someone that sees something and wants to make it better. It could be in education. It could be in helping the elderly. It could be in uh, volunteering for uh, a school board. You know, it's contributing time because you think you have a feeling about it that
2: you can make it better.
0: So that was Senator Lyman Hoffman. Hoffman giving his thoughts on uh, being a good citizen Uh, he was he was he received the citizen of the year award Uh, and one of the things that he did during his speech rather than uh, going on the accolades and the work that he has done he took moments to be able to and uh, mentioned each of the senators and representatives from rural Alaska Uh, that took up a big portion of the time that he had to speak and it was a really nice Homage to uh, what preceded, and uh, opens the door for what's f- possible in the future, uh, and all of which is uh, representation and what that means.
2: Yeah, I think I think you know having a lot of these people who are from rural Alaska and, Al- and Alaska native up on the stage, and uh, you know a lot of times we look at elders and youth with more elders and, and young people sort of coming ha- having these dialogues, but I think having people up on stage who represent you being an indigenous person in alaska or being in rural alaska i think that that's really motivating and it it gives you a positive feeling to see other people like you up on stage who have worked hard for what they've done and are now in a place where they can actually give back to the community and it just really makes my heart happy when i see that
0: and it's uh it's such a dichotomy also and because uh, we were talking about general generational gaps uh the next segment that we're going to be talking to also a bethelite uh, but the 2019 iditarod winner pete kaiser uh, young man uh, who uh, was the keynote speaker this morning and uh, again uh, recognized for uh, the work that he does, not just in being an Iditarod champion, but what entails that. Uh, he was uh, honored and given given uh, many gifts out here, one of which was the regalia of the uh, necklace. Yeah, the chief's uh, necklace. Uh, just he- Yeah, the chief's necklace uh, for here in the area, which is, uh, was given the gravitas that it needed. Yeah, I, I
1: was actually surprised by that. I mean... Um, We see these necklaces given out as gifts um, time and again, year after year here at AFN. But this time, uh, Will Mayo stood up and he explained its importance and um, the symbolism of it. And he actually asked all of the interior leadership, the Athabascan leadership, um, to approve gifting that necklace because apparently it's been quite a conversation um, within, you know, leadership in the region about who they give these chiefs' necklaces to. And he said, I'm not going to do this in a lighthearted way. I take this very seriously. Um, and it was a very emotional gift-giving. Um, and I'm, I was, I was really glad to see that, um, you know, the importance of this gift was explained to, to everyone, um, especially because there is a, a, a sort of a coming together of regions there. You know, Pete Kaiser's not from the interior. um, And so there's a little bit of like cross boundary, I guess you could call it, um, sort of interaction there. And and so that that was really special.
0: Yeah, and set a great tone. uh, And I believe we have a clip uh, of Pete being honored.
2: Yeah, I I had a chance to talk to Pete right after he came off stage and asked him what it was like to receive the Chiefs necklace, this casket, the the carved ivory. So we have that clip.
6: This was this was quite an honor. It was something that was uh, you know I wouldn't have been able to turn down, and maybe even a once in a lifetime opportunity to speak here today. So um, it's an honor, and uh, I, I'm I'm just happy to be here. And it was such a warm uh, warm welcome, and everybody seemed genuinely excited about what happened last March. So um, yeah, it, it, it's just a, it's a good day.
2: I love Pete's humility. Like he's genuine, so humble. Uh,
0: where he said and there was genuine excitement. Uh, yeah, you're the 2019. I did her. You're a champion. superstar. Absolutely. He's even like
1: that when you interview him on the I Did Trail. I've I've followed Pete for a long time. Um, being like I've covered a number of I Did and. He is um, easygoing throughout the race, and um, he always has a beautiful dog team. And it's great to see um, an Alaska Native musher at the top of his game again. You know, we used to see a lot of Alaska Native mushers out there in the '60s and the '70s when sprint mushing was super popular here in the state. Um, and then, you know, there were a lot of Alaska Native mushers who were running um, dog teams in um, long-distance races. But the sport has just become so expensive and. And so time-consuming, and the snow machine has sort of replaced dog teams in a way that not everybody needs a team in a village anymore. And so it is really special. Um, and we heard that from the audience. You know, that everybody that stood for him so excited for him.
0: Yeah, as, uh, as he was about to take the stage, uh, they showed the video of him winning the Iditarod, and it was as if we were there again. Uh, everyone was getting excited. As he was coming down the, the victory chute, uh, people started applauding here, and then he was given a standing ovation, a well-deserved standing ovation. So what did uh, he, he tell
1: you about his... Uh his upcoming Iditarod <laughs> trip. <laughs> so we talked a
0: little bit, I kind of wanted to know
2: what training season was like for him. He's already two months into the season, uh, getting his dogs ready and running. Um, but yeah, I asked him a little bit about what he, how he's preparing and, and what's going through his head, you know, coming up to the, the Iditarod. And we'll play that clip now.
6: Yeah, oh right? yeah, we're, we're two months into training here, so the season's been well, well underway since since August. and it's uh yeah it's a lot of work it's it's, it's every day of the year and it's all 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 leading towards another another run this year in march
2: what are the odds of a repeat
6: i don't know it's a tough race you know it took me 10 years to win it once so um you know as, as long as we prepare the best we can and and go out and race as hard as we can you know whatever happens after that it's fine with me but we'll put our best foot forward and make sure we show up with a with a good dog team
1: we we were talking about showing up with a good dog team yeah, before yeah. we decided to play that clip, and it it feels very fitting for for this AFN. Um, yesterday I uh, last night I had the opportunity to go see the world premiere of Atla. It's a documentary about George Atla, who's from Huslia. Um, it's really special that they showed it here in Fairbanks. Huslia is an interior village. Um, George Atla, you know, he, he had tuberculosis. He left his village for nine years. He came back and he had, because he was gone for so long in his childhood, he didn't learn all of his cultural practices and he lost his language. And mushing was how he got back into, um, you know, being part of his community again. And so his saying was always, treat your dogs like they're the best and then they will be and always show up with the best dog team. And And so this was very fitting for Pete to say that here in this region as well. It was
0: so wonderful to hear. And folks, you're listening to live coverage of the Alaska Federation of Natives Convention from the Carlson Center in Fairbanks, Alaska. This broadcast is produced by KNBA and brought to you by Native Voice One. We want to thank our listeners at KYUK in Bethel, KSKO in McGrath, KCUK 30. in Chivac, K-C-U-K. and KNOM oh, in yes. Nome.